Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I love you. I really do. You yeah, and Andrew. Thanks for Thank teaching you. Andrew. You're doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a great mentor. That was Rudy Giuliani on this show last week, the day after he was forced to sit in front of the grand jury for about seven hours in Georgia. Complete nonsense. Rudy, the esteemed mayor of New York City, we love him, Bernie and I, on this show now, of course, does a great job three to four every weekday on this station. And that day when Rudy was in Georgia, in his stead on this station was a guy Rudy knows pretty well, his son, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, of course, uh, ran for governor. And it was a heck of a run. Four pretty good men, Harry Wilson, Rob Astorino, Rudy Giuliani, and Lee Zeldin. And uh, Andrew finished a very respectable second to Lee Zeldin, who, of course, is our only hope in this state. As I pointed out, I've got a bunch of huge events with Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Gilpoil, and all these people coming up with Zeldin over the next couple of weeks. So Andrew actually filled in uh, that day, last week. I called in, so did Zeldin. And I got to tell you. The kid is great. He's great on this show with me and Bernie every time. He's grown up, of course, on TV and all that, so it's no great surprise. Oh, here he is, the son of the great Rudy Giuliani. He's great himself, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Uh, Sid, you know, I, one of the things that I keep hearing is I've got the face for radio. They say you have the voice for radio. That's a little different. I don't know what I'm missing right there. But I got to tell you, yesterday I was out at Trump Bedminster for a little bit, had the opportunity to see the president uh, just for a few minutes and, and chatted with him. And he said how much, how excited he's looking forward to seeing you yes, in a couple of, of weeks course, of course. at Congressman Zeldin's event. Specifically, he yeah, said sure. he can't wait to see Sid. That, that, ne- that never that ne- it's a cute story and i love you for saying it never happened <laughs> of course it never happened but i'm going to see him in a deal on september the 4th and um listen i tell you he was on this show once the week that me and bernie took over for imus and the conversation started with me andrew saying to trump i gotta be honest donald and i've known this guy for a long time he was doing my sports shows 25 years ago in vegas at tyson fights i said i didn't vote for you i said i thought you had one of the dumbest sophomoric runs ever. You wore a red hat. You told me you were going to build a wall, and you nicknamed all your opponents. Now, I didn't like Obama, and I didn't like Clinton, but I didn't see anything in Trump that was going to make me believe he'd be a great president. But I said, but 
Donald, to your credit, now I'm one of your biggest supporters because I didn't vote for you, but you turned out to be a great president. And, Andrew, I got to tell you, he went back to that during the 12-minute conversation with me and Bernie twice. He loved the fact that I was able to to actually, that he changed me from a non-Trump guy to a Trump guy. You know that's Donald Trump's personality. He loved that. Absolutely. And, and I think I think you see it with some of the numbers in terms of all the votes that he got in 2020. Right. And in 20 in 2016, I think he ended up getting a total of about 62 million votes in 2020. We're talking about 74 million votes. And obviously we could talk about all the issues that happened in 20. But specifically, just you're talking about 12 million more people decided to say I'm voting for Donald Trump in 2020 than they did in 2016. And you saw it in all different communities that maybe didn't traditionally vote Republican, right? We saw it in the African-American community that had the most votes ever for a Republican. I say the most votes since Eisenhower for a Republican. We saw it with the Hispanic-American community where he cracked 40% for the first time, maybe I think ever for a Republican president. So he certainly uh, did things for the Republican Party where he introduced new people to the Republican Party that, that I think really were not interested or for some reason kind of taken the the media bait on what the Republican Party actually is there. And and that's why he's such an important part uh, of the party moving forward. But uh, one of the things we did talk about yesterday when we were out there was obviously the gubernatorial run. And we talked about uh, what Congressman Zelda needs to do over the coming nine weeks in order to to win this race. And and, uh, look, I think he's within striking distance. I think this is one of these things where uh, it certainly would help if Hochul says something uh, stupid like McAuliffe said in Virginia, that that, uh, parents are not the primary stakeholders in their kids' education. Uh, But we know that where she stands on uh, school choice, how against it she is. We know where she stands uh, on uh, on bail reform. And we know that part of the reason why we're seeing crime and our quality of life deteriorate here in New York City and all across the state is because she has decided to kowtow to the liberal progressives instead of actually looking at each and every New Yorker and saying, what can I do to make the city, the state a safer place for everybody? Lee Zeldin will do that. Kathy Hochul will not. She will just continue to play politics. And she may not have to say anything stupid for a lead to gain some traction. Every time something happens in the city, like a Jose Alba situation, where she yeah. did nothing for that man, he went to Rikers Island, or the, yeah. the cab driver who was dragged out of his car and beaten to death a couple of weeks ago, or the guy last week that she actually did say something right. She said put him back in jail, uh, but that was too little too late because he already raped the girl and punched a guy across the face and nearly killed him. So without her saying anything, just read the local papers here in New York, and you know right. just from that, Andrew Giuliani, she's got to go. And, Sid, the, the fact that she had to actually intervene in that I think shows that the system is broken, right? She should be looking at that specific case that she had to intervene in last week and say, wait a second, the system is broken here. I should be doing something systematic, systematically to make sure that somebody in this situation who literally attempted to murder somebody does not actually get released here. Instead, she looks at the one-off case because she was pressured and said, let me take care of this because this will ease the political pressure on this. And then I'll hope that people are at the beach and forget about it and don't even think about it right there. And there are more Democrats than Republicans. Instead, she should be actually looking at the overarching issue there. And if she does that, then, you know what, it'll be tough for Congressman Zeldin. But the truth is, she's not going to do that. And that's why we need Congressman Zeldin to win this thing, because he's the only one that's going to look 
at bail reform. He's going to be the only one that actually looks at this and implements some of the crime policies that worked in New York in the 90s and 2000s, the glory days of New York City. Unfortunately, we're going the wrong way. I saw this with my wife last night as we were walking around, and we saw three different homeless guys that there. One guy actually was masturbating on the street. Oh, my God. On Sunday night. Oh, we live God. in a nice neighborhood. Well, you know, this is, this is terrible. What, what, what time terrible. was that? I left the city about 830. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I'll tell you what. He did have a, a shiny, glossy, bald head and, and large <laughs> shoulders, and I know you were working on your shoulders last that's week. Right. So that's right. I was. Question. Could have been me. No, and I know where you live. It's, it's a nice part of New York City, obviously. So uh, that's always uh, very disturbing. But I have to tell you that we're so city-centric because, to be honest, New Yorkers, we're very arrogant. We really are. And we think it's all about us all the time, especially me. And it's all about the New York and the city area. But uh, as you know, Andrew, running that great campaign which you did running for governor, it's not just the city. When you talk about crime, my mother lives in Monticello. It is a mess. I mean, she's six miles outside of Monticello, a nice Jewish community. But but it's a mess. You've been to Binghamton, Rochester, Syracuse. It's not just about the city. Quite frankly, some of the biggest cities in this state, as you know, are a mess. It's everywhere. Rochester, the most murders ever in recorded history last year. And as of a month ago, they were on pace to surpass that. Same thing with Binghamton, where they had the most murders ever in history. We're also seeing it some of the rural counties in New York. I remember talking to Sheriff Carpinelli from Lewis County, which is way up five hours north and west of New York City. Um, and they have the same issues with the same about five or six people that they're continually releasing that they can't actually hold who are committing the same crimes, basically. So this is, this is an issue whether or not you live in a rural area. Obviously, if you live in a city, and especially in a big city like New York, it certainly is a bigger issue. And that's, and that's why, look, I've been spending the summer trying to help candidates that I think really uh, will help our country, will help our state. Well, give me a couple. Uh, uh, obviously, Lee Zeldin is one of those guys. Who are some other candidates, Lee, that you think could really be of help right away? Yeah, well, when I Andrew. look at, obviously, this primary coming up, on Tuesday, tomorrow, I think Rob Cornicelli in New York, too, is a guy who's an America first candidate, somebody who's going to stand up, a military veteran, somebody who I believe in. Uh, Anthony Figliola in New York won to replace Lee Zeldin is a guy who I've gotten close with, I think would be a tremendous member of Congress and somebody uh, that uh, will really represent us well there. And so these are two guys who have really spent a lot of time with. I spent They spent a lot of time with me during my gubernatorial run, uh, and these are guys that I would certainly trust to represent us. Well, let me ask uh, you this. That, I got to know yeah. Cornicelli a little bit, too. I met him at a Yankee game a couple of about yeah. two months ago with Danielle and my friend Jen. A super guy, as you said. He served. He's uh, He's got all the right ideas. But Peter King, one of my best friends, I know you're close with Peter also, he swears yeah. by Garbarino. So if Cornicelli was to lose, are you okay with Garbarino? You know, look, as somebody who oh, that's a no. uh, that's worked a no. in the Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> you hesitated. As somebody, as, <laughs> you got me hesitating. You did get me hesitating. That's a good question right there. Look, right now the answer is I'm pulling for Rob. Cornicelli, I think he's the best bet to come out of New York, too, right there. Look, do I think Garbarino would be better than the Democrat? Yeah, I do think he would be better than the Democrat. But the truth is, I don't want somebody who's just going to be better than the Democrat. I want somebody who's going to go to Congress, 
uh, who's not going to actually give light to the January 6th hearings, which unfortunately is something that Andrew Garbarino ended up doing in there. Uh, I want somebody who's going to go up there and stand up for our America First values, and that's why I think Rob Cornicelli is going to be that guy. And Anthony Figliola in New York 1 is going to be that guy as well. Look, Peter King is somebody who I've respected and, and I love for a very long time, and, and he's certainly somebody who knows that area uh, better than probably almost anybody right there. So I certainly respect him. But I'm backing Rob Cornicelli on this one because I think he's a guy who's going to stand up for those America First values and somebody who's not going to uh, not not going to turn his back on the people that elect him. All right, fair enough. Two more. We'll let you run. Uh, MSNBC. Go back to the Donald Trump conversation. Is seizing all morning long that while Donald Trump, Andrew feels like this Mar-a-Lago raid will benefit him, and I agree it will, in 2024, that other folks close to Donald Trump don't think that's the case. What does Andrew Giuliani think? Well, I actually did not spend my morning watching MSNBC, if you can <laughs> believe that. Mostly, mostly because I try to keep my sanity on a daily basis, and if I... I I don't have a choice. You've done these shows in the studio. You see CNN, MSNBC, (laughs) they're all on here. So. No, look, I, I think I think it's showing more and more people. And I have to tell you, there were a couple of people that were independents, a couple of people that didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2020 that are friends of mine who told me just in the last week that they thought this FBI raid was going way above and beyond and that it better be something very obvious that the president is doing. If the president, for example, let's say, if they knew the president was shopping nuclear codes to the Russians for the Chinese, then that would be something where you could see a raid of Mar-a-Lago. But that's something that we know President Trump not only is not doing, but the media is actually throwing that out there, very similar to what they did with the early, in the early stages of the Russia investigation with the dossier right there. I really did believe, as so many people have said before, this is a fishing expedition in order to try to get whatever information they possibly can so that way they can get the information, see what they have, and try to pin something on him. But I think this is absolutely going to help President Trump. I think this is going to continue to turn people off, unfortunately, of how politicized the FBI has been. I remember talking about this on the campaign trail just recently. The FBI should not be focused on parents calling them domestic terrorists, potentially, if they want to stand up at a school board meeting. This is obvious that they've become political, and it's not just political against President Trump. It's against so many of these conservative philosophies that I think really are strong. They're trying to root them out because they're radical. On the way out, your father on this show last week, Andrew, the great Rudy Giuliani, um, talked about all the things that he's gone through the last couple of years. And outside of Donald Trump, it's been a six-year witch hunt. I think it's fair to say your dad next in line. They want him. They made a, he had Russia. He was a Russian spy at one point. He, you know, he helped rigor in the election. He's uh, had to face a grand jury now. Your father has been through an awful lot the last couple of years. What does he tell you at home between the two of you guys you're going to share now with the whole New York City audience? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Sid, and, and this is truly the amazing thing. I could, I could say this. Um, he's a guy who is so optimistic all the time. And it is pretty amazing. There are some days where, where I'll, I'll go and spend a little time with him and I'll say, man, he's got to be. I remember one day in particular last year when the FBI raided his house. Uh, yep. And I went over and said, man, I wonder how he's going to be feeling. And he was just He's okay. What's next? What's next? That he was—he's always focused on what can I do right now to help the situation, whether it is the country, whether it's the city, whether it's his situation, whether it's President Trump. Um, so he really is a, a strong and tough guy. Obviously, 
Recently, he's had a, a little issue with his heart right there. He's been taken care of. Um, but even still, everybody hears him on 3 o'clock on WABC. And, and uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't – he tries not to take any days off unless the Georgia grand jury <laughs> is, uh, is calling him in, in which case they have to settle for Andrew Giuliani right there. But thankfully – a guy named Sid Rosenberg called in and saved the show. They said the show was, was burning in flames. They were going to cancel it until Sid came, called in, and then you saved it. So You're you funny. came out there like Mariano Rivera. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, actually, I beg to differ. I think you could have uh, a show on this station any day. And if I was John Katzmatidis and or Chad Lopez, and I mean this, I would uh, seriously consider – hiring you today until you run for your next political office, which I think one day will be the presidency of the United States. I really feel that way, but you're great on the air. And I will tell you this, uh, driving back from a resort yesterday with the beautiful Danielle, we had uh, Stern on, I still like Howard, and he was interviewing uh, David Spade, and he said, uh, one point of the conversation, Stern says to Spade, you know, I really enjoyed that uh, dinner together we had at the Chinese restaurant, and I looked at Danielle and I said, ha big deal. We went for Italian food with Andrew Giuliani. I swear to God. <laughs> Well, I, I think you're uh, – look, I, I think the truth is when it comes to all this, uh, it's a lot tougher to actually ask the questions than it is to be the ones answering the questions on the other side. So if the fact that you get up here through this four hours a day, uh, it truly is amazing. And, and one of the things – and I told this to John earlier, and I really think this is the amazing thing. On the campaign trail, the thing I heard all the time was, hey, I heard you on Bernie and Sid this morning. Or, I heard you on the Cats Roundtable. I heard you on with Greg Kelly. WABC really has created a community here in New York, and, and it really is a wonderful thing. I, I know that you hear that with people calling in, but when you see it when you're on the ground campaigning day in and day out, it really is a special thing. Well, well, you guys are special, too. You and your father, and you're part of the reason why WABC is where we are. So thank you for these wonderful 15 minutes this morning. You're so good, Andrew. And uh, I love the book here for you, too, so you could uh, check that out. And I'll see you in a couple of days. How about that? Curtis is going to be happy. I don't have to steal his book anymore right there. He was getting a little angry about that, so that's good. I don't want to make Curtis angry. You know uh, no, you that. don't. No, you don't. He's a psycho. Andrew, thank you so much. <laughs> All the love, buddy. Thank you. There he is, Andrew Giuliani. The apple did not fall far from the tree. That kid is a great talker. And uh, I'm telling you, folks, sky's the limit for politics for Andrew Giuliani. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.